this is the Suno India production and you are listening to Science and Arts. Hi, this is Rakesh and this is Menaka for this episode of Science and Arts. So, what is today's episode about Menaka? In today's episode, I'm trying to understand an important announcement made by the Prime Minister on August 15. He started talking about what has been a problem in our country for decades now. Yeah, I read up with the recent National Family Health Survey numbers. So, in that, it shows that 35.5% of the children are stunted, that is they're shorter for their age. and 19% are wasted that is their lower weight for their height 67% of our children and more than 50% of our women are anemic let's hear what he said garib mahilaon garib bachchon mein kuposhan aur zaruri poshtik padarthon ki kami unke vikas mein badi badha banti So here it becomes clear that Modi is actually talking about anemia. A scheme has been rolled out now. It involves the fortification of rice. Fortification of food includes adding vitamins or minerals to food that people usually eat to increase its nutritional value. In this program, iron, folic acid, and vitamin B12 will be added to rice. It has been rolled out as a pilot project in 11 districts in 11 states now. The food will be given as ration. that comes under the public distribution system or pds it will also be given in other programs such as the midday meal program so i have heard of iron salt or iron fortified atta how is fortified rice made to understand that i spoke to hn mishra from iit kharagpur he is the head of agricultural and food engineering department there he is consulting with the government of india on this rice fortification program his team helped develop this technology This is the first time in the world that the fortified rice will be produced at such a large scale. The indigenous technology which my team has developed at IIT Kharagpur we take the broken rice. All right the din broken rice is pulverized rather uh, in other words you can say it is ground it is made into a fine powder or very very fine rice flour. so this rice flour or rice powder uh is mixed with a premix we buy there are certain companies in india which have been approved by fssai which produce this micronutrient premix b12 uh vitamin b12 folic acid and iron final step is this uh, this fortified rice kernel which we tell frk it is blended into the rice normal rice in the proportion of 1 is to 99 that is 1 kg of frk is mixed in 99 kg of normal rice so we get 100 kg fortified rice now i spoke to program officers from madhya pradesh and karnataka Many of these programs are supported by international agencies of fortified rice manufacturers. In Madhya Pradesh the pilot was launched at Singroli district. Here a Canadian international agency called Nutrition International supported the government. Nutrition International just sent me a press release saying that the agency conducted an assessment among 
1200 people in madhya pradesh who could not distinguish the fortified rice from regular rice yeah the taste texture and the color should be the same right yeah so far it has been but there are clearly some challenges some of them were admitted by the union food and public distribution secretary sudanshu pandey in a conference held this october he spoke about this there were fundamental problems with the pilot the problems were purely logistics and supply side related pandey explained that right now there is an absence of an ecosystem which allows for the production of fortified rice kernels or frk as they call it the machinery that makes fortified rice kernel costs about 20 lakhs so convincing rice mill owners to upgrade has been challenging pandey also said that of the 3200 rice mills in the country less than 10% were truly modern rice mills so we don't have enough capacity basically yes mishra also raised other red flags in the process of making fortified rice kernel one is that if the humidity is not controlled say there is rainfall that day the humidity in the processing unit increases and there's a risk of the fortified rice kernel turning black and basically it look disgusting and can be picked out the fortified rice kernel should ideally also be stored in polyester bags and not jute bags as it's done now this appears to be a major overhaul of the distribution operation right yes one official from madhya pradesh told me that they are still using jute bags he said that we have asked the distributors to finish distributing the rice in a month and the people to also finish eating it in the same month that is produced so that the rice does not go black i don't know how this can be coordinated at such a large scale it looks like there are too many things that can just go wrong does not appear to be a small tweak to the system not at all and for the same reason we need to know how effective this measure is yeah so will this large scale exercise really help in reducing anemia yeah that is the contentious subject so i spoke to people who are for rice fortification and those who are against so let's go with the people who support it first i spoke to rajesh kapoor who worked as a scientist in the department of biotechnology and a senior advisor to the government of india he is now the vice chancellor of the people's university in bhopal we have worked on iron deficiency anemia because iron deficiency anemia is one of the major causes of anemia but iron deficient anemia anemia is uh, uh, the major contributor see what the idea was in this fortified rice a 50 g uh, cooked rice when a, uh, a child or a person takes he should get 50% of the rda required daily allowance is it really that simple though is it ever i had to do a deep dive in the science of anemia it's a very complex mechanism i reached out to madhavan nair a retired scientist from the national institute of nutrition it is india's premier research institute for nutrition he explained anemia to me like a teacher he told me so anemia is a condition in which the number of red blood cells blood cells which carry oxygen or the hemoglobin concentration decreases is lower than the normal so the rbc contains hemoglobin and uh, that hemoglobin contains iron and the whole molecule only will be actually taking oxygen and supplying to various parts of the body and that is the major source of our energy okay energy is comes only through that oxygen is essential for breakdown of your glucose and getting atp atp is the 
energy source. So this is how we actually become active and productive. So imagine a population with a low hemoglobin. Naturally, your productivity comes down because your work capacity has come down. The whole population is working at a subnormal level. So the, the, you should understand the physiology of uh, how much you know, one gram of hemoglobin carries, how much, and there is a deficit. That much less oxygen only will be carried, and that will lead to all your uh, lethargy. And uh, at, because this is one place we need a lot of uh, blood supply and oxygen. Okay, so when oxygen supply comes down, definitely the the fatigue will set in, and that's why iron deficiency is always. Anemia is associated with or iron deficiency is associated with uh, lack of uh, attention, concentration, okay. Children normally feel sleepy. So to make hemoglobin in the blood, we need not just iron but other nutrients too. Now, though iron is the most important uh, component of hemoglobin synthesis, there are many other nutrients also required for hemoglobin. It's not just iron alone. And there are other nutrients like folic acid, B12, Vitamin A, vitamin C, they are all known as hematinic nutrients. Hematinic means which produces hemoglobin. Okay, they all have to be there for hemoglobin synthesis. Now, imagine you are giving only iron. You cannot expect the hemoglobin production to be optic. That, that you should understand. The iron has to be in a soluble form to be absorbed in the body. And for this, food synergy is essential. Meaning the iron has to be eaten with foods that help its breakdown and get absorbed. Mr. Nair explained that foods are either inhibitors or promoters for iron absorption. The beauty about food is it provides both, uh, uh, especially for iron, which uh, promotes iron absorption and also which uh, reduces iron absorption. That is known as inhibitors. Now most of the grains, okay, they all have high amounts of phytates, phytic acid. These two molecules, the iron and the phytate, they are, they love each other. And once it binds to phytic acid, it never gets into the system. It gets excreted because it forms something like a, a precipitate. It, de it doesn't actually allow the iron to be in a soluble form for absorption. What makes it tricky is that iron is absorbed in the small intestine, which has very high pH. That is, it is more alkaline. Iron needs a lower pH or a more acidic environment to absorb. One way is to add foods that are rich in vitamin C, like lemon or orange. Because, you know, the, what, one is iron solubilization. Okay. And in that pH only, the either the inhibitors or the promoters will, you know, interact with. That's why I always say food synergy is essential. That synergy means at that environment, both has to be present. So the food synergy means, uh, you know, when you take food, along with food, the 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 promoter containing food also has to be taken. Then they will be together. Not you take food and after one hour you take uh, a fruit. I mean, that synergy won't be established because iron will be gone from that side to another side. No. So at the site of digestion and that gastric pH, only in that acid condition, only these two will interact. That's why it should be part of the meal. And that that too should be in that uh, food matrix only will be because you cannot give uh, you know, iron from the food and the uh, tablet of uh, ascorbic acid or vitamin C 
that will solubilize and go first. It doesn't stay there. So for staying and waiting for iron to come, it should be in a food matrix at least that that you know environment can be created only when they are around, and that is possible only when these are in food matrix rather than in, uh, in a, an isolated form of uh, you know chemical form of uh, ascorbic acid or even iron also. Mr. Nair and his team conducted two studies where they just added vitamin C rich guava to the meal and it had amazing results. We did two studies. One study was done with, uh, with you know, adolescent girls and boys uh, giving with their uh, regular meal. So they were given guava and their meal and they have to consume with the meal. So we did one without uh, guava and another same meal only. I mean, in a hostel, they have a menu. So we selected one menu and we uh, gave uh, uh, one, I mean, the same children with and without Goa and same meal at different time points. So we were able to demonstrate clearly that, that Goa has doubled the absorption of iron. So from 8 to 10, it became, you know, 16 to 20, 22 percent. That means the whatever iron is present in the diet, double is getting into, you know, your body. Another perhaps less complicated way of ensuring iron absorption is to have non-vegetarian food. Another important thing to improve absorption is actually um, good protein. Okay, good uh, taking good uh, uh, good protein means like protein from flesh foods like fish or uh, meat. It's again you know question of increasing the uh, solubility of iron because in the presence of proteins. Protein acids actually produces more acid. Okay, in more acid production and also it actually buffer the acid and make it uh, uh, iron to be more soluble. That increases once it is soluble and you know there are certain amino acids in the protein, especially the you know um, uh, amino acid that is present in the meat and uh, you know fish proteins compared to vegetarian proteins. They they have more of uh, amino acids, sulfur-containing amino acids, which actually increases the you know, uh, uh, solubility and it makes iron in a soluble. Unfortunately, Indians eat a lot less meat, fish and eggs. This is as per the National Sample Survey Nutrition Intake in India report from 2011-12. The share of meat, fish and eggs in the diet was only 7% in rural India and 9% in urban India. Only in Kerala, the share of meat, fish and eggs was higher. That is 26%. That only means that people in India do not have access to the kind of proteins we need to increase hemoglobin levels. Now, this is not to be confused with the idea that most Indians are vegetarians. That is not true. But most people do not eat non-vegetarian food regularly. And this lack of non-vegetarian diet by itself is has been used as an argument for fortification. Mr. Kapoor said exactly this. Anemia, basically... Uh, say 65 or 70 percent of our individuals in India are anemic, the women and the children in particular. That is because of your uh, diets, diet diversification. It is also that uh, India is basically a vegetarian uh, community, and and in vegetables, the iron component is very minimal. I clarified what he means by this again. He means that even non-vegetarian people mostly follow a vegetarian diet and eat flesh foods only occasionally. 
when i say vegetarian non non vegetarian which means that they should take non veg at least three to four times a week and in the vegetable diet the unless until you ferment which means the south indian food if you ferment there you can have some uh, iron component otherwise there is no iron component in a vegetarian diet then you 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 can take fruits which have iron like apple etc but that is very costly apple is costing 200 rupees uh, 200 rupees uh, plus kg so this is the cheaper supplement but the political climate in the country does not help so many places have imposed a meat ban i have lost count now uttar pradesh chief minister yogi adityanath imposed a complete ban on the sale of meat and liquor in mathura the birthplace of lord krishna The Gujarat government has banned the slaughter of animals and birds as well as the sale of meat, chicken and fish in its municipalities from August 29th to September 5th for the Jain fasting period of pollution. I'm sure the constant barrage of this kind of policing over meat also affects the way in which people consume meat. I asked Kapoor about the evidence India has for fortification and he cited some studies. One is from the National Institute of Nutrition. when i was in department of biotechnology ministry of science and technology i was the one who promoted this technology who uh, built this technology and was involved in clinical efficacy trials and then uh, uh, we showcased it to the government the clinical efficacy trial which i am mentioning uh, it was uh, with national institute of nutrition icmr study so when i said it was this trial was in uh, school children uh, for 265 school days Now this one involves Mr. Nawadhavan Nair himself. We heard from him earlier. The way he interprets this trial is actually completely different. Let's hear him. So we fed it for almost uh, uh, six to eight months, and at the end, we again uh, measured the these two biomarkers, that is, hemoglobin and ferritin. So what is ferritin? Yeah, he explains that. Okay, that is actually a marker of iron stores. how much iron is stored in the body it will tell so if they if you give an iron fortified rice what do you expect both should increase ferritin should increase and also hemoglobin should increase and the results clearly shows that there is actually uh, the improvement in iron stores and status okay so that means iron has reached the system and it is it is actually getting deposited in the liver and the, as an uh, surrogate in- indicator of that is the ferritin what we measure in the uh, blood or serum but you know what we found uh, uh, unfortunately is that there is no change in the hemoglobin levels hemoglobin levels in the control and the experimental were almost same okay so that is one uh, real issue what we found in our study there is no difference between the control and the experimental group i mean that then it's very difficult for us to conclude the study based on uh, this that it can uh, impact anemia because anemia is uh, measured based on hemoglobin levels only so anemia is not reducing but iron status has increased so this is what we found and we actually concluded saying that uh, this improves iron status but it requires probably many other nutrients there are three more similar studies done in india two in bengaluru and one in jammu and kashmir 
None of these studies showed a difference in anemia prevalence after feeding people fortified rice. Mr. Nair also cited a systematic review of studies that was published in 2019. It includes 16 studies, four of which were from India. The review also stated that the fortification of rice with iron makes little or no difference in the risk of having anemia. I asked him if we were the first country to conduct such a large-scale experiment. Do we have any other countries which have sort of uh, uh, carried out this experiment on such a large scale for us to even learn from them or anything like that? To my knowledge, no, because no. Okay. WHO and these reviews also are not. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, covering those. Things. See, this is, this all requires long term studies. See. with the short term studies is very difficult to you know demonstrate the effectiveness of uh, you know such especially iron iron is a very very uh, novel uh, metal it, it requires a careful uh, understanding of its chemistry and its uh, biology absorption is toxic and also it's very essential okay so maybe the the our uh, system is Uh, i mean protected from toxicity by reducing absorption itself that's more more uh, for uh, survival than uh, being anemic so what does mr nair mean by that that iron is not a harmless element it's a highly reactive element the indian council of medical research too has been revising the daily requirements of iron for indians over the years in 2002 the requirement for adults was 30 mg per day In 2020, the ICMR revised it to 11 milligrams of iron for men and 15 milligram of iron for women. There is also a tolerable upper limit, that is 45 milligram of iron per day. Beyond this, it can get toxic for the body. As per the Anemia Mukt Bharat program, babies, pregnant women, and school children get iron supplements. Apart from that, there is also iron fortification of salt and atta. This cannot cross 45 mg per day and the only way iron can be removed from the body is when the body sheds blood either through menstruation or blood transfusion now having said all this there's a twist in the tale as i told you the newly released national family health survey 2019-20 says that 67% of the children are anemic in the country there are several scientists debating the anemia cutoff itself now what yes i warned earlier the subject is complicated so just this april a group of scientists published a study in lancet saying that the cutoff for anemia are lower than the one given by the who okay i spoke to one of the authors of the paper dr anura kurpat He is the professor of Department of Physiology at Saint John's Medical College in Bangalore. He works on nutrition. Before he spoke about this, he gave a caveat. When I argue that anemia is perhaps not as rampant as we think it is, many mistake my position in a binary sense that I am saying anemia does not exist, and that is not true. I am saying anemia does exist in this country. However, it doesn't exist to the extent that is being made out to be dr kurpat explained to me that there are two things that are affecting the way we understand what he argues are elevated estimates of anemia among indians 
One possible reason is that the blood sample that is used to measure hemoglobin is capillary blood that is drawn from a finger, from a fingertip through a small little prick that is made there, and you collect a drop of blood. That blood actually gives a lower value of hemoglobin compared to blood that you take with a needle from a big blood vessel like a vein in the elbow. Um, when one compares the hemoglobin in venous blood versus capillary blood, venous blood has a higher hemoglobin. In 2016, Dr. Kurpad and his colleagues surveyed nearly a thousand women in Uttar Pradesh. They measured hemoglobin from the blood drawn from the finger prick and that from the injection. The time of the blood drawn and the device used were the same. We found that there was a difference of about 1 gram per deciliter of hemoglobin. That is, it was higher in the, in the venous blood and lower in the capillary blood. And then, when we looked at the prevalence of anemia in these women using either venous blood or capillary blood, the prevalence of anemia was, yes, near 70% when capillary blood was used. But when venous blood was used, it was half that value, around 30 to 35%. The National Family Health Survey uses the finger prick method. Only NFHS is a large-scale survey that measures capillary blood. However, in 2018, a survey was published on children called the Comprehensive National Nutrition Survey, CNNS, that measured uh, children across India. And in that, uh, the prevalence of anemia was about 30 to 35 percent, precisely where you'd expect it to be with. Uh, venous blood uh, measurements. Dr. Gurpad added another dimension to this. He believes that there is a problem in the cutoff of anemia itself. To begin with, the WHO has fixed the normal hemoglobin levels at 12 grams per deciliter for adults and 11 grams per deciliter for children. Any level below this could qualify as anemia. The WHO long ago took data from Caucasian populations or white populations rich populations. And then what they do is they take healthy people in that population and then look at the distribution of hemoglobin. What you do to define that cutoff is to take the lowest value in that distribution and say, well, these were healthy people. And if I take the lowest value among them, then anyone with a value in the general population that has a lower value than this lowest value in the healthy people, they would be called anemic. So cutoffs are really di are, are defined based on a statistical method. It's not functional. It's not clinical. It's statistical. Now, in, in, in effect, what you would like to say is, well, if you could do that in a white or rich population, why on earth don't you do it in an Indian population? Dr. Kurpad and his colleagues used the data collected from Comprehensive National Nutrition Survey and used the data of healthy children to plot their hemoglobin levels. And we found, to our surprise, that these cutoffs were lower than the WHO accepted value. They were so low that 
you know, that if you then apply those values, those cutoffs to the general population of children, the prevalence of anemia dropped even further. It went down to nearly about 10 to 15 percent. So think about it. It is hard to imagine a society that has evolved in an odd way that it cannot meet its own requirements from the food that it eats. Typically, we adapt to the foods that we eat. It is remarkable to think that there's an entire society that just maladapted and had, was on this miserable space of not, not getting enough iron because their requirements were too high. That's not true. Dr. Kurpat says that the gap in diet is a problem for the poorest people in the country. Have the experts in the country accepted Dr. Kurpat's paper? No, not really. We are a country where civil society has been literally fighting to get more food for the people. There is a right to food campaign in the country. And as you know, the government only provides cereals in the public distribution system. Only recently, dal has been added. So there is a fight to add eggs, vegetables, millets, etc. in our social program. Many of the same people are opposing the move to fortification because they feel that the iron fortification is not a solution and the government needs to provide a balanced meal of fruits, vegetables, meat, etc. So right now, this Lancet paper is not widely accepted. So Dr. Kurbad is arguing that while not providing a balanced meal is a problem, we also need to rethink the anime levels in the country. And as the Lancet paper suggests, that it gives enough fodder for scientists to investigate the anemia cutoff. The premise is based on scientific research. In fact, another group of researchers studied 27 surveys with data covering 25 countries. And even this study said that the current WHO cutoffs are significantly high. Besides now, the WHO is also looking to discuss the evidence of revision of cutoffs to define anemia. WHO is having meetings right now to figure out what is the hemoglobin cutoff to diagnose anemia in different geographies. For example, South Asia. What is it? It can't be the same across the world. They agree. Now, if they're already having this discussion at WHO, why are we jumping the gun and saying, oh, there's too much anemia, let's do something? I think it makes sense to make a decision on rice fortification. Once the WHO decides this. Yes, definitely. Going by these studies, there may be less people who need fortified rice. Can we feed more iron to the people even if they don't need it? Mr. Kapoor said that it is not a risk because it covers only 50% of the required dietary allowance. But others are not as optimistic. Actually, even those who agree with the government's plan of fortification say that we need to be careful. Dr. Rajan Sankar, director of Indian Nutrition Initiative of Tata Trust, replied to my questions in an email. Let me read it. In the email, he says, Iron is an essential element in biology required for numerous cellular processes. Either too much or too little iron can be detrimental. He goes on to say, and I quote, No doubt, caution is required. As programs mature, we need to smartly close the data gaps and make adjustments to the level of micronutrient addition to the foods, including iron. So, Menka, has this kind of program gone wrong in any other country? Yeah, in Sweden. And that is in relation to iron fortification of flour. Mr. Nair talks about this. In Sweden, people eat plenty of non-vegetarian food, which anyway is a good source of iron. In uh, countries like Sweden, they consume a lot of fish. And also they have fortified foods. 
so these two together i think they became very very you know uh, the they accumulated lot of iron in their uh, organs like especially liver and uh, uh, spleen the oxidative stress what i was trying to tell you and you know making that uh, even normal people with a lot of iron they become uh, the the ncd prone non communicable disease okay they had uh, you know high incidence of uh, uh, heart disease uh, so what what i think they did is they stopped fortification and on the subject of ncd dr kurpad has a study he said that the increased levels of ferritin that is the indicator that show iron stores in the body increases the risk of non communicable diseases if you look at the ferritin and compare it with with the blood sugar blood lipid or blood pressure you find that the higher the ferritin goes the more the chances of finding high blood sugar high blood lipids or high uh, blood pressure this is very similar to what has now been shown in other surveys across the world not just in america but across the world where they are finding that the higher the ferritin the higher the risk of being diabetic of being hypercholesterolemic of having hypertension which is high blood pressure and this is a very scary thing when i heard about this i remembered another major challenge in making fortified rice kernels that the experts spoke about the combining of micronutrient mixed with rice is a huge challenge this is sudanshu pandey union food secretary again in the same meeting where he spoke about the lack of capacity of rice millers since micronutrients are very sensitive for human health the blending that has to be done that also has to be very uniform it cannot be that you prescribe one is 200 ratio and then you are so inconsistent that uh in the bulk supplies that you make you differ very hugely now that is also not possible the same point was raised by mr mishra our expert from iit kharagpur aapka jo rice flour mein vitamin and mineral premix ka mixing hai wahan par sabse bada challenge hai aap soch lo ki main aapko ekdam se easy ki aapko 10 kg aate ka flour hai aate gehu ka aata hai kah lijiye 10 kg gehu ka aata hai aur usme aapko 10 gram इवन दस ग्राम भी नहीं एक ग्राम कह लीजिए नमक है या चीनी है चीनी का पाउडर उसको यूनिफॉर्मली मिक्स करना है आप सोच लीजिए हाउ चैलेंजिंग वो एफ आर के जब आएगा तो उसमें जो माइक्रोन्यूट्रिएंट कहीं पर माइक्रोन्यूट्रिएंट ज्यादा हो जाएगा कहीं पर कम हो जाएगा दिस इज क्लियर के प्रॉब्लम the dose of the iron can increase in parts right yeah as we realized earlier the scale of this operation is mind boggling food safety and food inspection is not among india's strength for more details please listen to our podcast with ramesh bhat a reputed food safety expert i've added the link in the show notes so how do experts suggest we tackle this problem one is by communicating ways to eat food that can increase iron absorption such as eating citrus fruits with your meal or having more fermented foods not drinking tea and coffee with your meal but largely by increasing the diversity of food eating give people real food and not just cereals 
Mr. Nair told me that iron fortification and supplementation program has been going on for 70 years now. But in the process, we have forgotten to ensure dietary diversification of food. I mean, it's time to reduce that supplementation program and then introduce the next medium term strategy of uh, fortification. Okay. You cannot never ever forget dietary diversification from this at all. If you want to, you know, even with the supplementation also, there has to be some amount of diversification uh, introduced. I mean, then only with the time also, we will be able to achieve a, a dietary diversification at the end of fortification. Mr. Naya said that fortification cannot be a long-term project. The concept is supplementation should establish sufficient iron stores, stored amount of iron through supplementation. Then. Once you have achieved that, then it's only maintaining your everyday dose of required for maintaining your hemoglobin. That means only dietary diversification is required. So what I'm trying to say is it should go in tandem and in, you cannot forget about uh, dietary diversification. You cannot put as the last priority in the whole list of uh, this thing. It should be the first priority and you should start supplementation with a thought and a definite change in the diversification also. Now what is happening is that is a forgotten entity. Everybody is talking about supplementation fortification. From 1970 we started supplementation. They forgot about uh, dietary diversification. Message is, it's not possible or it's very difficult. That is a very bad attitude. That's why the, the we are saying once these are introduced, it's permanent. Dietary diversification won't take place and our population will be uh, with all the chronic diseases. So, after talking with all these experts, what do you think? Yeah, in my reporting on this subject, what Dr. Vandana Prasad said really struck. You know, she is a public health practitioner and she's done extensive research on nutrition among underprivileged communities. And she said that dietary diversity is a human rights issue and that it should be a basic right to be able to eat diverse food. And the fact that poor people can't afford it is a huge problem. And I completely agree. A poor person should have the food that you and I eat at home. And that is basic. Thank you for listening to this episode of Science and Us. You can listen to more episodes on our website sunoindia.in or on any other podcast app of your choice. Suno India is an independent media organization which relies on listeners to support our work. So please consider contributing by visiting the support us page on our website sunoindia.in.